rise and shine bitches welcome back to another episode of just a quick pinch i'm your host connie wang today i am doing a solo recording no jimmy no guest just you me the microphone the open road of you commuting to work or whatever you're doing today thank you so much for tuning in for another episode um so today i'm i'm recording on monday again uh today is october 3rd and you guys I don't know how to feel about this. I feel like it's been getting colder earlier because now, like, I I swear one second ago it was August and it was still kind of hot. And all of a sudden now, at least here in Boston, it's like 50 something all the time. I am in that like awkward phase of the season where like I don't know what to wear to school in the morning because I know that if I wear a light jacket, I'm gonna be cold when I go home. But I know that if I wear a thick jacket, I'm gonna be hot and sweating all day. So yeah, those are just my first world problems of the week right now. Honestly, this combination right now is what I'm doing. Let me know if I'm doing it wrong. Okay, so I have, I I go to school in my like thin little papery scrubs. No warmth, no warmth at all. Um, So I wear those, which somehow, I don't know how the science works, but somehow when I'm like in the operatory working on my patient, trying to like pull their tooth or something, I'm sweating buckets. Someone explain the physics to me of these scrubs scrubs, because I don't understand. But anyways, so I go to school wearing my paper thin scrubs. Then I have this little like Patagonia kind of like dupe. It's not a real Patagonia, but I have this like zip up Patagonia sweatshirt that I put on top of it. And that keeps me warm in school because we all know like, you know, you need like a little secondary source of warmth for when the AC is kicking on in random places inside. But that's not enough for me. So I need another layer on top of that. I have like a quilted jacket. But the problem is when I'm walking around outside or when I'm on the subway commuting home, then I'm too hot. So yeah, I had no reason to go this in depth (laughs) on what I'm wearing on a day-to-day basis. But if you guys have any recommendations on how I can be equipping myself better for the conditions of this life, let me know. Uh, Anyways, two minutes in and I have yet to say anything productive. Today, welcome back to another episode. I'm very excited for today's episode because this is just something that I've been struggling with extra recently. Um, I was going to name this something like super clickbaity and be like, just name it like something I've been struggling with dot 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 and like let you guys like fill in the gaps. I don't know. Maybe I'll still do that. But (laughs) I have a feeling like it'll be better if I actually say what I'm struggling with, which is attaching my self-worth to productivity. That is something that I've been struggling with a lot recently. And I'm honestly like very excited to kind of like get this off of my chest and see if any of you guys can relate on some level to me. Um, I think it's going to be very cathartic, so we'll get into that in a little bit. But first things first, it is time for the one, the only, our hot girl huddle. Hit it, editing Connie. Alrighty, you guys, this week for the hot girl huddle, first thing is first, we have our healthcare horoscopes. Let me just grab my handy dandy little cards here. Oh my gosh, you guys. Okay, so this is very promising. I'm excited. Today, we have the Six of Swords upright. And per BiddyTarot.com, the keywords for the Six of Swords upright is transition, change, rite of passage, and releasing baggage. Okay, the Six of Swords shows that you are in a state of transition, leaving behind what was familiar and moving towards the unknown. Oh my god, I have chills. This is like so accurate to today's description um, for like what we're, or for today's main episode. I can't even talk straight. You might be moving your house, leaving a relationship, changing jobs, going through a rite of passage or a mental shift. This change may be your own doing or forced upon you, and you may feel sad to leave behind what is so familiar to you. You guys, this is crazy. If you keep listening to like the main episode, this will all make sense. Anyways, 
However, you know this move is essential for your growth and personal development. The sadness over what you have lost or released will soon be replaced by greater mental clarity and a renewed acceptance of change. You will become a better person as a result. I'm so excited for us, you guys. So the Six of Swords invites you to let go of whatever is holding you back, be it from your past or present circumstances. Instead, gaze ahead into your future and choose the way most in alignment with your highest good and long-term potential. You will need to make tough decisions and compromises along the way. See it as a rite of passage. You are headed towards a much better position in life, so long as you are willing to evolve and shed whatever you no longer need. Do not dwell on what gets left behind. Instead, use this as an opportunity to change your beliefs about yourself, moving away from who you used to be and towards whom you want to be. Side note, this just made me think. I kind of wish Jimmy was here recording with me today because, Jimmy, maybe this means we should throw out our Instant Pot. I don't know. Sound off in the in like any sort of comments that you guys can. Like, message me. Do we still need an Instant Pot in this day and age? <laughs> Jimmy and I were talking about this recently. We have our air fryer. We have our slow cooker. I feel like the Instant Pot is like dare I say a little chuggy? <laughs> Not that I really care about chugginess, but like I just spiritually feel like the Instant Pot is chuggy. Like it doesn't have a place in my life anymore. I don't really use the Instant Pot that much. I, if I'm making something, I make it in the slow cooker, on the stove, or the air fryer. Like I just, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe our days of the Instant Pot are over, Jimmy. I don't know. What? Editing Connie here. Wait, Jimmy, what did you think I said? I thought for a second she said, maybe our days are over. We just got the ring back from the resize. <laughs> Anyways, where was I? Similarly, the Six of Swords asks you to reflect on any emotional or mental baggage you may carry as you move forward from one phase to the next. Decide what you need to take with you and what you can leave behind. Wow, what a nice reading. Okay, so I hope that this, re this reading resonates for any of you guys out there for the week of October 3rd. We're in a transition, baby. It's time to leave some things behind and look forward to the future. And yeah, I think I think this is a good reading, especially, you know, with what we have in store. Wait, so Jimmy, do you think it's time to throw out the Instant Pod then? It's time. It's been time. I don't know about been time, but... Well, I guess here's the thing. The only thing we like to cook, it, cook with it is rice. And you've been cooking rice on the stovetop recently anyways. Yeah. Anyways, that was all I have for Healthcare Horoscopes. Now on to Journal Club. Alrighty, you guys. Next for the Hot Girl Huddle, we have Journal Club. So, I hope you guys have been enjoying this new segment of Journal Club recently where I give you guys a journal prompt. Let me know in the reviews of Apple Podcasts if you guys have been enjoying Journal Club, enjoying Journal Club recently. So, my question of the week for you guys is, what pet peeves do you have about other people and are they in any way projecting from yourself? I love this little like shadow work moment. Um, it kind of made me stop and think. Um, and then I went on a little tangent about all the things that annoy me. But basically, I thought this was a good example of like an answer to this question. For me, one thing that comes to mind, one thing that annoys me about other people that like I have no business being annoyed about because it's really me projecting what I'm annoyed about with myself is I'm a very indecisive person. So as you can see, I have no business in feeling this way, but it literally drives me crazy when someone else is indecisive. Um, I know, I know it's like kind of like I shouldn't be like this, but I think it's just very much 
me hating that quality about myself so when i see it in other people i just like i can't explain it it literally makes me so angry side note i'm curious do any of you guys when you guys get mad at something do you ever feel like if you have to sneeze i don't know if this is just a me thing but sometimes when i get really worked up and really angry about like other people and other things i just feel like this tension in my nose and i feel like i have to sneeze let me know <laughs> but yeah also disclaimer this isn't if i'm trying to like decide how to treat a tooth or something and we're unsure of that i feel like i'm okay with being unsure about something uh if i do not have like a clear cut answer for it i don't know how to describe the difference instead i get so upset if it's like a minuscule thing if it's like a mundane thing like if jimmy and i are deciding where we want to eat and he's like well we could do this nah nah let's do this nah or how about this maybe this is just a jimmy thing that annoys me now that i think about it i don't think it is and he's not here to defend himself but that really does like drive me crazy i would literally rather like not go out to eat than have to experience this indecisiveness of walking watching him talk to himself um it's just like so annoying to me i don't think it's just him actually now that i think about it just like watching people be indecisive in front of me and go back and forth between decisions just angers me so so much um, I think part of it is also because so much of my day-to-day -day is just, like, making decisions. Um, I feel like, like, nowadays when I have to decide, like, what treatment to do for patients, what step to do next, um, a lot of, like, times during the day, I'm in the middle of a procedure trying to decide, like, what instrument to pull out next and, like, how to do something next. So, like, like a lot of my day-to-day -day is decision-making, right? And so the second that I'm done with school and I'm done seeing my patients, I don't want to make more decisions than I have to, if that makes sense. Like, I just have so much decision fatigue. So, yeah, I think nowadays that's become a small pet peeve of mine. So anyways, I'm very curious. Let me know what your pet peeves are in other people and if they are you projecting yourself. I thought this was a good shadow work type of question. Anyways, on to spit talk. Alrighty, you guys, this week for Spit Talk. So, I just wanted to recap my weekend. This weekend, I went to one of my best friends from pharmacy school's wedding, and it was in Maine, so that was super fun. It was, you guys, it was literally so gorgeous. I don't know if any of you guys are on the East Coast, um, but the foliage in this time of year is impeccable. It was, like, very northeast cozy vibes because the wedding was in the backyard of this, like, really nice house, and we stayed, like, all the guests stayed at the ski rental hotel, so the dinner, oh, this was also fun. The dinner was lobster bake themed, which like we were getting like down and dirty with that. Okay, there was like lobster juices flying. I'm pretty sure I got like a piece of shell in my eye. Um, I didn't even, I don't even remember talking to like anyone while I was eating dinner because I was so focused on my lobster. Like was Jimmy even sitting next to me? I, I couldn't tell you. I don't know anything else. I just know that it was me, my lobster and I. So for anyone that knows me, my weakness at weddings or actually in, in general, I don't discriminate. My weakness is not drugs, it's not alcohol, it's not gambling. My weakness is shellfish. I cannot help myself when shellfish is in front of me. If there's a fish with a shell on it, it's my weakness, okay? It's actually concerning. The other day I ate like 16 oysters in probably under 10 minutes and I thought that was actually insane. Um, so yeah, uh, my recollection, my only recollection of this wedding is me and my lobster. 
imagine I was just like dancing with my lobster all night um but yeah anyways besides being the absolute like shellfish savage um I had so much fun I saw a lot of my old friends from pharmacy school and some of whom I actually haven't seen since look at me talking all fancy whom some of whom I haven't seen since our pharmacy school graduation day which was kind of like crazy to think about um I think we've all just been like so busy with our lives post-grad and I'm sure a lot of you guys can relate to that Also, we were never really the friend group that was, like, going on vacations together. Like, surprisingly, we actually never went on a spring break together. I think it would be too much chaos. But also, like, we're all kind of the same in that we all, I don't know, we all, like, prioritize comfort. I feel like I'm making us sound lame. I promise we're not lame. It's just... you know what it's actually very comforting because I am very much the same way as all of these lovely ladies like we just hate planning things um we hate like inconveniences I guess I'm trying to make us sound cool you guys like just as a group we're just really chill so it actually isn't that weird that we haven't seen each other a lot in the last three and a half years but it was just really nice because we're the type of friends where we just pick up exactly back where we left off like when I tell you guys I'm saying this with like my hand over my heart I solemnly swear that um What's the thing that you say in court? I don't know. Either way, I'm not lying. There was 0% awkwardness or weirdness. Like, it literally felt as if we had all gone on this, like, long summer vacation and we were back at school to, like, move into school this weekend. Like, it was just so nice and healing to see everyone. And, yeah, I just have such a deep, like, love for my pharmacy school friends because we all met essentially like the first day of college when we were all dropped off by our parents and like it was the first time we were ever away from home. So we really raised each other and looked after each other. Like, I think it's kind of unique to be in this situation because a lot of people, they go to one school for undergrad and then they change programs and apply to like a different school for grad school, right? So it's like you do four years of like an undergrad and then you do like four years of a dental school, a pharmacy school, med school, whatever. But for our program, it was combined. So like my undergrad friends are the same friends as like who I went through pharmacy school with. So we've just been through a lot. I just have this like family sense with them, like you know, we went through, like, the fun parts of school, but also, like, the rough parts, like, exam week, heartbreak, disappointment, like, we've been through it all together, so, yeah, that was fun. I think another kind of interesting thing about this, like, pharmacy school reunion is that I feel like so much of my dental school experience has been with, you know, my social media pages, like, having been already started, like, that was just such a huge identity going into dental school, Um, I like started this I started my like social media journey and all of like my like creation kind of journey um, when I was in my fourth year of pharmacy school so by then like I was already on rotations so a lot of these people that I saw like they actually knew me from before I had these pages and they've just kind of seen the transformation of my life since starting my pages so yeah I just I, I feel really lucky I have friends that feel like home but I must say both my pharmacy school and my dental school friends feel like home to me um I just feel really like comfortable with all of them and I just feel honestly lucky that I found like a sense of home in like both of the schools that I went to so yeah that, that anyways that is all I have for spit talk as well as all I have for the hot girl huddle now it is time for our main <laughs> I was gonna say main girl huddle uh which is actually fitting involving that wedding that I went to in Maine this weekend. Um, now it is time for the main episode. So hit it, editing Connie. Alrighty, you guys. So I wanted to start off today's main episode by explaining the premise of this, ep- of this episode. And I think it'll kind of 
help prevent any sort of, you know, like eye rolling, maybe that's to come just because I know that sometimes it almost feels like claiming to be like productivity obsessed or claiming to be a workaholic, like hustle culture, all that stuff is glamorized in a way. And it's kind of like annoying. Like, I think we've all been raised to believe that like being hardworking is good, especially also like in my Chinese culture growing up, I feel like nine out of 10 times I realized I would always hear my parents if they were ever praising someone nine out of 10 times, it was because they were hardworking. Like that was the go-to praise that they always said for anyone. And it kind of gets to you when you're a kid, I feel like to put together like, oh, they're only complimenting someone when they're hardworking. Therefore, the only reason why you should compliment someone is if they're hardworking, right? Like that kind of stuff kind of gets to you. And they would always say this one quote that's something along the lines of like, okay, I'm totally going to butcher this for anyone that knows the real quote. Um, but the quote is something like those who eat, <laughs> those who eat the most bitter foods or have the most bitter taste end up being the happiest or like something like that yeah you 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 get the idea basically making it sound like the key to happiness and success is hard work which is true to some degree but i feel like that quote left out like yes like the key to happiness and success is like tasting the bitter thing but also having healthy boundaries and having a healthy sense of self-worth like that part wasn't included in the chinese proverb okay so yeah i just wanted to explain that you know with this in mind like that is my relationship to work at like a foundational level that's like how i grew up and that's part of why i'm currently struggling with this so backstory so growing up i always felt like i was the black sheep of my family so it's me my older sister and my parents and my sister's older than me by like 10 years so she's like a lot older so my parents and my sister came to america as hard-working immigrants and I feel like while they were hardworking immigrants, I grew up in their already made like white picket fence American dream. So I grew up, you know, watching my dad sitting at the kitchen table at like seven in the morning, like tippy tapping on his keyboard doing work. And also, you know what I realized is like when we were on vacation, if there was ever a time difference, I always woke up to like the faint light in the distance and the sound of him tippy tapping on his laptop, like working to make the most of the, the time difference and the energy that he had, right? That like really sets the scene for the kind of person I am. Um, same thing with my sister. She was always so passionate about medicine and becoming a doctor. Like she, you know, always worked so hard, worked tirelessly. So many times she missed out. Like when I was young and in my formative ages, like um, probably when I was like eight or something, like around those ages, like just growing up in general, if my sister missed some like big kind of family event my family always justified it by being like oh like you know what she's working hard for her goals like she you know she, she's doing her thing that was normal and that was justified for us it was never like like hard being hard working was always praised also same with my mother like so my mom works in a lab and she would always go to the lab on the weekends to make sure that her work like turned out a certain way so you can see the kind of like conditioning conditional like messaging that was being sent to me like it was that it was that if you can, you should work on vacation. If you can, it's okay to miss out on big family personal life events to work hard. And if you can, like, go in on the weekends to work, right? Like, that's kind of just what was imprinted on me. And I think this is what's imprinted on a lot of people, especially immigrants. So... I just remember distinctly thinking to myself, like, they all work so hard. They all care about something so much. I don't feel that way about anything. And I think I started to internalize that and just think like, well, that must mean I'm lazy then or stupid. Like I just, I just, I just felt like I wasn't one of them and I felt like I didn't fit in. So 
that was a lot of how I felt in my childhood, I think subconsciously. Now, I want to make this like disclaimer. My parents and my sister are the most loving, supportive people in the world. This was not them forcing anything upon me. It's just me as a child, as a young kid, like seeing my dad working on the, at the kitchen table on vacation, seeing my mom go out on like a Saturday to go work, seeing my sister, you know, like have to miss out on family events and things like that to um, pursue like her career. So that's just like kind of what I was conditioned with. And I remember when I found dentistry for the first time, I just felt this fire light up under me. I don't know if it was purely because of my love for dentistry, which is very strong, but also I think maybe a little bit was just like wanting to prove to myself that I could do something. But this fire is like what really allowed me to accomplish the like crazy task of being able to be a pre-dental student while also being a pharmacy student. Like that was a crazy double life that I lived at one point from sun up until sundown. I will never take that away from myself or try to play that, like downplay that. That was like the hardest thing ever that I've ever had to do still. And I felt that firelight under me again, actually, when I decided to start my own podcast, I must say. But basically, I think that when I found dentistry, I had found for the first time something that felt worth working so hard for. It was like the first time in my life where I really felt like I cared so much about it, and because of that, it was the first time in my life where I really felt like I belonged with my family, like I was no longer the black sheep. And also, disclaimer, again, this isn't about, like, becoming a doctor. Like I said, my family's not one of those families that forces you to become a doctor. It's more like I emotionally, personally felt like I had, like, ascended the ranks and joined the ranks of my mom and my dad and my sister in being, like, a relentless hard worker. And I think throughout these past few years, I've really used that as a crutch for my identity because it felt comfortable and safe and familiar, just like family does, you know? And so this is where my problem begins. I think I'm afraid to change a lot of my anxious, like, workaholic-type tendencies that I've developed because in a way, that feels like going back to the days where I didn't feel like I fit in with my family. I feel like I have to add so many disclaimers because I don't want my family to listen to this and be like, you're making us sound bad because like they're really not bad like that. It's more like this is just what happens when you grow up in a family of immigrants or when you grow up in a family of like business owners or when you grow up in a family of hard workers. Like I'm sure so many people can relate to this. Um, So yeah, just disclaimer, my family does make me feel loved and supported. It's more like this was just the internal narrative that I developed throughout the years that was making me think that. Nothing that they had ever done had like made me feel like I wasn't worth anything to them. But anyways, to give you guys a glimpse as to what I mean, my personal experience with workaholism is that I feel incredibly relieved. I feel this like this wave of relief fill over me when I fill my schedule. And I want to specify... I feel like actually getting the task done makes me feel like 80% good. Like it's like kind of nice checking things off. It's kind of nice finishing what I planned or started. But what is the drug to me and what makes me feel that like rush of relief and happiness is it's not really the aspect of getting things done. It's knowing that there's things planned for me to do. It's like the feeling of anticipation for the things to come. And I think maybe it's because I find comfort and control, like a sense of control and having that sense of direction and a plan. And I also just love the feeling of the potential when it comes down to it, because to me, potential, like the potential in future exciting opportunities or the potential in future like plans, that potential equals safety and freedom to me, ironically, which is funny because you're like, huh, if you plan things, you don't really have freedom in time. But 
I just have this perception that if I don't go out there and have things planned in my calendar, I'm gonna like wither away and die or something. Like my mind just thinks that I'll be unable to fill my time, even though anyone that has had a winter vacation before like knows how quickly that can pass if you have a working Netflix subscription. Like you have things to fill the time, okay? So that brings me to the now. So something that I've been struggling with, especially this like past couple weeks, And it sounds really lame. This is where the eye rolling comes in. But basically, I started third year uh, clinic like in dental school. I was an anxious wreck because I hated how they just give you this long ass list of requirements to do. They're like, you have to do this many fillings, this many crowns, this many dentures. But they don't give you any structure as to when to get them done. So no one was guiding me on like, okay, this date you're going to do your fifth this. And on this date, you're going to finish this requirement. So because of that, that pressure, I felt so unsafe, right? And that just pushed me to finish my requirements early like a madwoman. So here I am fourth year. I just have a couple small like random requirements here and there. But for the most part, all of my grad requirements are done or waiting to be delivered. And I'm like where I worked so hard to be, right? I worked so hard to get here. I should be happy, right? And now I'm looking around and I'm like, now what? I I thought I would feel better. I thought my worries would go away by now. I thought I would feel so happy and relieved to be here. And now instead I'm here and I feel anxious and empty again. I was venting to my friends about how I felt so anxious now because my schedule is kind of empty. And looking back, the feeling of doom I had felt almost like when I was a kid in trouble, like waiting outside of the principal's office or something. Although truth be told, I don't really know what that feeling is like because I didn't really get called to the principals that often. I mean, like I did get in trouble. Ironically, I got in trouble a lot for talking too much in class, which is funny because now I have a podcast. But basically, you get the idea. The feeling of doom and gloom I felt last week when I looked at my open October schedule, I actually felt like genuinely like I was in danger. Like, Seeing it so open made my palms feel clammy. I ha- I was practically in like a cold sweat spiraling on my couch because I was like, oh my God, I'm falling behind everyone else. Even though logically that doesn't make sense. Like I can't, f- like, like there's no falling behind of anything. I just feel like sometimes no matter what I do, it just never feels like it's enough. And it makes me afraid that like I'm not enough. And I think a lot of this is because my emotional home is anxiety. So I've talked about this before um, on the podcast, but emotional homes are basically the idea that we all have an emotional state that we're familiar with. And this is the state that we retreat to in times of uncertainty or like honestly in times of like boredom too. It's just what you like knee jerk reaction go back to and what you feel the most familiar with or comfortable with, even if it's uncomfortable. It's what you know best and it's what makes you feel comfortable in a weird way. Like it's the discomfort that feels comfortable. So for some people, their emotional home might be anger. Some other people's might be guilt. Mine is definitely anxiety. If I'm not anxious about something, I find something to be anxious about. Like if school is making me anxious and then all of a sudden school is removed and I'm on summer vacation, suddenly I make myself anxious about other things because my brain just like craves it. Like I'm addicted to feeling this way. Also, the sad thing I realized is that I have, I think, also equated the feeling of anxiety to productivity and to success. I feel like if I don't feel anxious enough, then I'm not being like productive or successful enough or like on the go enough, you know? Anyways, I feel like the reason I wanted to make this episode was I just found this whole situation kind of funny. Um, and I had this light bulb moment go off in my head when I realized like, oh, the reason why I feel so attached to productivity is because it's kind of like a kid clinging on to like their family. Like I feel the most close to my family and I feel the most like I belong when I'm in this state that's like unhealthy, actually. 
And I think this feeling of this attaching your self-worth to productivity is just very pervasive to us as women in healthcare. We feel like we have to like prove ourselves. We feel like we have to, you know, sometimes like be something that we're not. And so just for anyone out there listening, if you feel this struggle with having your sense of self-worth attached too much to work, just know that you're not alone. So here are just some things that I'm going to do to try to make myself better with this. Number one, as of this week, I'm really reevaluating how I spend my time. So before this, my urge was to fill my schedule with like the potential and things, right? But I think a lot of it is because, like I said, my brain is afraid of not being booked and busy since that's like a a new foreign feeling. And just rationalizing like, no, Connie, you shouldn't be scared. You are safe. You are fine. Just knowing that it's the newness of it all that scares me rather than the actual sense of danger. I think like I'll be able to train myself to lean into it. And rather than just book things and fill my schedule with things that I don't care about and busyness, I'm really going to try to reevaluate what I do care about and like how I can make this next month of openness more about that. Because right now I'm kind of just hating myself. I ended up like filling up my schedule a little bit with some other small things and now I'm mad. Number two. So an article that I was reading about unattaching your self-worth to your productivity said a helpful tip is to lean into challenging yourself and trying to build a sense of mastery in other ways like outside of work, such as hobbies. So specifically, I feel like I can work on this by cooking because I personally, I feel like cooking is the perfect storm of a lot of things for me. I love to cook and I love the result of cooking, obviously, but cooking is still something that I feel removed from. Like I don't get my source of identity from it. And it's something that feels inconsequential to me, which is beautiful because I care. I have like no chill. I'm someone that fears consequence from literally every decision that I make. So to have something feel inconsequential is like nice to be unbothered is nice. So like if I make a dish, for example, and it's not good, I don't feel any shame from it. I have a healthy relationship with this hobby where I'm willing to make mistakes and like fail for the sake of getting better. So yeah, I'm happy that I have something like that. Number three, they said exercise is a good way to challenge yourself because it's like a very progressive type of thing. Like you slowly advance your goals and it's something that you can measure. Like you're able to measure if you can run longer or lift more. Um, And another good thing about exercise that this article said is that it there's this strain recovery cycle, meaning like in exercise, you have to physically give yourself rest in order to keep working out, right? Like rest is part of getting more fit. So this rest is actually a good chance to recalibrate yourself mentally and physically, which is nice. And number four, another tip that I thought was super helpful that I can do in my everyday, like when I'm seeing my patients is like the idea is be the change you wanna see. So in other words, if you feel like you're very attached to your work and you tend to ask yourself, like, what do you do for a living? Where do you work? That kind of stuff. Instead, try to shift your focus by asking people things like, what do you do for fun? Like, what do you like to do in your free time? And I think by asking that from other people and like, you know, questioning and being curious about that for other people will make you subconsciously like shift your focus into more of that. And then you'll have more focus on that yourself. Number five, I'm going to just remind myself that I am safe even if I'm not as productive as I'm used to just because I do not feel like anxious on the go and like my emotional home that I'm used to feeling. It doesn't mean that I'm not safe because I feel like this is a very like deep survival mechanism that I've been conditioned to feel and like in this day and age like I am safe. I will not die if I'm not as busy and if my schedule is not as packed as I'm used to, right? I also think a big thing is to stop seeing my worthiness as a fluctuating conditional type of thing. Like I have to remind myself my worth is not 
going to change. I will not be more worthy or less worthy of love depending on my job, my title, my salary, like nothing. And so in a sense, it's kind of freeing to know that my worth and your worth will not, it cannot ever decrease just like it cannot increase if you do X, Y, and Z. So now I just wanted to flip the table. Wait, this is like so not, flip the script. (laughs) Flip the table is so not what I meant. I'm just imagining like the Real Housewives of New Jersey when Teresa like is screaming and flips the table angrily. So not that. Now I want to flip the script and kind of help you guys evaluate if you guys are placing too much of your self-identity on your work or if you're a workaholic because the two really go hand in hand. So I found this assessment that you guys can ask yourself. Basically, it uses the seven basic criteria to identify work addiction. So these ex- these things are like these questions are scored on the following scale so if you guys are doing this in your car like I kind of just roughly did this to get an idea I didn't like write down the numbers but if you have a chance to you can write down the numbers so if you answer never that's a score of one if you answer rarely that's a score of two if you answer sometimes it's a score of three if you answer often it's a score of four and if you answer always it's a score of five so basically like if you feel always about something it's five that's the highest score and if you feel never about something it's a one that's like the lowest score which now that I'm thinking about it doesn't make sense because you shouldn't get a score of one just because it's never that should be zero I'll work on it I'll, I'll write a letter to them anyways question number one you think of how you can free up more time to work is that never rarely sometimes often or always number two you spend much more time working than you originally intended is that never rarely sometimes often or always Number three, you work in order to reduce your feelings of guilt, anxiety, helplessness, and depression. Do you identify with this never, rarely, sometimes, often, or always? Number four, you've been told by others to cut down on work without listening to them. Never, rarely, sometimes, often, and always. Uh, Five, you become stressed if you are prohibited from working. Six, you deprioritize hobbies, leisure activities, or exercise because of your work. And seven, you work so much that it has negatively influenced your health. So if you score often or always, like at least a four or a five on at least four of those seven questions I asked you, it may suggest that you are a workaholic or like have an unhealthy relationship to work. So I just thought this was really insightful and helpful because, you know, I'm all about like data and like figuring out classifications of like who we are and stuff like that. I guess I'm all for self-diagnosing. But basically, I just wanted to give you guys the tools to identify if maybe your relationship with work isn't that healthy, because sometimes I think it can be harder to tell. If you're someone like me and you were like conditioned to believe that this is normal, I think this is especially helpful because it kind of makes you question how you spend your day, how you think about your day and all that stuff. So anyways, I hope this episode was helpful for anyone out there. I hope that maybe this helped comforted someone in not feeling alone. Even though this is something that I'm struggling with, even just me like recording this and sharing with other people gives me hope that like it makes me feel comfort in knowing that maybe this can help someone else out there and like know that we're not alone because this is totally I think a very common thing that happens to people in especially working in healthcare but like in any field really. So that's all I have for you guys this week. If you guys liked what you heard, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or a rating on Spotify Podcasts as well. And yeah, Thanks so much for listening. I'll see you guys next week. Bye.